0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to a founder who sold her first company, a charity platform, at the age of 19, after going through the roller coaster ride of building, growing and selling a startup, she said that she never wanted to do it again. But a decade later, she came across a problem that frustrated her and decided that she was going to do something about it. There are a few interesting lessons in this interview. Firstly, we talk about how with her latest startup, she began building a product that had unnecessary complexity and how she wasted a lot of time and money. I think that's an interesting lesson because it shows that even with the experience of having done it all before, how easy it is to get sucked into building too much into your product and not getting it to market quickly enough. We also talk about how She then radically simplified the product so she could get to market and start getting real feedback and data. And there's a valuable lesson in how simplicity can really help you not just launch faster, but it can actually help you market your product better. Many founders try to simplify their pitch down to 60 seconds or just a sentence so people will get it. Well, my guess went further than that and came up with a very creative way to help potential customers understand what the value of of her product. And thirdly, she's in a market where there are other products that pretty much do what her product does. And it's tempting to focus on price or adding lots of features as a way to differentiate yourself in the market. Well, my guest decided to focus on what her customers really wanted. It wasn't really her product. What they wanted was a way to make money. And she made it easier for them to do that using her product. So three useful takeaways for me. And I think you'll get a ton of value from listening to this episode too. All right. Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Download, a mobile app platform that enables media companies, brands, and influencers to easily and affordably create beautiful native mobile apps. The platform can transform any website or web medium, whether it's social media channels, photos, videos – into a fully functional app in a matter of minutes and it only costs about 15 bucks a month. The company has raised $14 million to date and is based in New York. Uh, previously, my guest sold her first tech company, a charity platform that she started in Australia at the age of just 19. And if that wasn't impressive enough, she's also the daughter of former Australian Prime Minister Paul Keating. So today I'd like to welcome Alexandra Keating. Alexandra, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having
0: me. It's great to be here. Cool. Now, the first thing I like to always ask my guests is what what gets them out of bed? What drives them to do what they do? And, and you know, some people like to share a quote. So is there is there a quote that resonates most with you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's something I say a lot, but it's not necessarily something that gets me out of bed in the morning, but um, I, I say that I'm easily satisfied with the very best. Um, and I think that that just sort of talks like my standard of everything um, when it comes to everything we do at download and everything in my life.
0: Oh, give me, give me one example of that.
1: Um, so if someone's sort of was sort of asking me, you know, what do you think of these designs as like an ad for download, this is an example um, you know, I would most probably just stare at them and be like, what do you think? Um, and they'd be like, I can't tell if you're happy. And I'm like, I'm only happy when I'm satisfied by the very best of things. And so <laughs> it's, I think it gives you a little bit more insight into my personality, but, um, but yeah, it's something that I do say.
0: How many times a day do you end up saying that to your team? <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, let's, uh, w- w- I want to talk about, uh, download and, um, did sort of share the story of how you got started, but tell, tell, tell me a little bit more about the product. Uh, I explained it a little bit to the audience and what it does. Um, but just tell me a little bit more about the, the problem that you guys are trying to solve and, and how download is different to, uh, maybe other solutions that are out there.
1: Yeah, sure. So I think they sort of work hand in hand. Um, Previously, I was at Thrillist Media Group and and, and I, this would have been like, I don't know, three, four years ago now. And we sort of decided, you know, to start building mobile first. And as we were recruiting engineers, whether they be from Amazon or Gilt or wherever they were, um, everyone was essentially building the exact same technology, um, but individually and spending months and months and months doing so. Um, And it sort of made sense to me at that point, both on a content and a commerce level, that there was an opportunity for an enterprise solution. Um, But enterprise-based businesses really aren't that interesting because ultimately everyone wants to build their tech in-house once they get to a certain point. Um, and then I kind of realized that, well, every single person needs to go mobile first. And so why should they, every time like a new screen comes out, you know, whether that be the phablet, which came out recently, or the watch and TV, and obviously we're in a multi-screen society now. Ultimately, I just don't think that everyone should have to rebuild everything every single time. That was sort of like the first point. And the second one was anyone who had already built their own thing, they seemed to be just sort of shrink-wrapping their desktop into fit into a phone. And it's like, well, we use the devices differently. Like, if you tried to shrink wrap Uber mobile web as the app, it would function terribly in the same thing as Facebook. So, why is everyone else sort of trying to do that? So, it was very obvious to me that there was something, there was a solution that was happening at the top tier years ago, which was going to trickle down to everyone. And the second thing was that screen's going to continue to evolve and people want to be able to work on that screen. And rather than trying to like launch the company, be like, "Hey, go mobile with mobile web," we decided to sort of go at first because it was a much greater sort of go-to-market strategy. And then now we're bundling mobile web into that in the coming months. And so, yeah, that's pretty okay. much
0: it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm interested about that because you know I don't know what the st- the statistics are, but I think I read somewhere that people only tend to use a certain number of apps on their mobile devices. And so it was interesting to sort of understand why you decided to go down the app route here.
1: Yeah. So I think it's sort of like a good, better, best experience. So there's a couple of different things. So it depends what the business is and what they're trying to do for YouTubers and, and people like that who have a lot of video content going native is really important just because of the speed of the video delivery. And so your best users who want to consume a lot and want to do it quickly and want to flick through videos, obviously doing it natively is really, really important, right? right. Um, for media companies, it's pretty much the same thing as well. You get more page views per session and more sessions per user. Just, again, because of the speed of, like, quickly loading and caching all the different articles. And then and then and there's different things that we can do, you know, if it's, like, lighting up things. So, like, if it's a restaurant article, um, about, you know, Balthazar or something like that. Chances are that user then wants to take an action and they want to be deep linked into other apps on their telephone. So it's, it's really going back to that good, better, best, just to give you some sort of context. Like an app is the best experience for that device because it is much faster. Users stay longer. They come back more regularly, but there are fewer of them, right? So depending on what you're doing, it either makes sense or it doesn't make sense. The local restaurant owner, I don't think needs an app, right? It just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. No one's going to do that. Um, But media companies and bloggers who, you know, where they're blogging about lifestyle or fitness or food definitely do because like they're really important users want to go build recipes out or they want to reference those videos when they're working out. So everyone kind of has their own little thing as to what they want users to do on that device.
0: Tell me a little bit about how product actually works. Um, because from what I understand, you can get a a new app created or, or I guess ready for submission into the app store in minutes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I guess you guys are doing some kind of, you, you kind of like are, are scraping an existing website or is, is that generally? Yeah, so,
1: exactly. So I think that's more of a go-to-market strategy just, For me, um, because that's the sort of background I come from, in a sense, like trying to convince someone to be like, hey, you can get your own app. Originally, like when we're saying the company, like, oh, wow, like how does that exist? And I have to maintain multiple CMSs. And it just sort of seemed like a really emotional decision for them, even though we really knew it was easy. We'd have to kind of convince people how easy it was. So then I just decided I wanted it to literally be like, just give us a URL and we'll just spin up an app. And then if you want it, you can have it, you know? And so I really built that tool just to get people in the door. And then once they sort of had the app, then they would go through into our CMS and they'd start to see users and they'd want to build more functionality and do like a bunch of other really cool stuff. So the whole premise of take your content and have it here was really a go-to-market strategy.
0: Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So you had this idea, you've, you've seen the need for, for something like this. Um, what did you do to get started with this business? And, and I think I want to kind of set a little bit of context here as well, because from, I think I read somewhere that your, uh, your first startup, which I can't remember the name right now.
1: GoFundraise. Yeah. Go
0: fun, yeah. GoFundraise. Um, after you sold that, you, you sort of decided that you didn't want to go in and and do all that all over again, just because of, you know, how, how, uh, yeah, how, how difficult list. and intensive yeah. it is that experience of, of building and launching a startup. Um, and it was about a decade before you, you decided to launch this business after selling, uh, your previous company. Yeah. Um, so w- one, what was it? about this that got you so excited and, and sort of ready? Because as a second time founder, I guess, uh, you you have a much better sense of reality and perspective. And, you know, unlike some people, where you, you know, it's a long, it's a long for, for the long haul. It's not something, and a lot of people, they start out and they think, you know, I'm good. I've got this idea. I'm going to build a startup and then, I'll do that for a year and then go and do something else. And And the reality is that a lot of these businesses take multiple years, if not a decade plus to really become what they are. And so this time, I guess you knew what you were doing. And what was it about this business that, that excited you so much?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, most people um, will tell you the same thing. Or Entrepreneurs, it's just, it comes out of like a pure frustration and like seeing a gap in the market, And like I have that for multiple different things and obviously there's like lots of different companies I wanted to sort of go build but I was kind of waiting for the one thing that would haunt me for a long period of time and that also I could see it becoming like sort of like a huge entity and a platform and so it really had the scalability as well component to it and it just sort of made sense and I got really frustrated that no one else was doing it when it was so obvious. Um, and so, like, you know, even if you look at the web, like in '97, you know, there are only a million websites, and everyone was like, Well, I don't need a website, people can just find me through the yellow pages or whatever. It's sort of like the next generation of that, and we're sort of here, but none of the tools are really there to support everyone. So, there's a huge gap in the marketplace. And then once I started to talk to people about going mobile and what that sort of looked like, I realized that there was a huge amount of information, even in relation to the desktop world, that they just didn't have. So, like, you know how to negotiate an affiliate fee. You know most of these blogs and YouTubers are like, you know, representing and pushing brands all day. They don't really know how to do that, or what's the value of a CPM to them, and how do you go and sell it, and who are the best networks, and you know, there's not really any any sort of plate anyone in place being like this is how you do it or this is what you should do. And so I was like, well, I could kind of pretty quickly see not only can we provide like a tech solution for them, but we can start to put parameters in place for these guys to, to really start making some revenue for themselves and and building their own businesses. And then that became really cool and powerful, you know, to, to be a platform for someone to, to create revenue and and build their own business.
0: Yeah. So what did you do to get this business started? Did you think about um, raising funding from, from sort of day one uh, or?
1: Yeah. So this is really about more of a Fritz and I story. So Fritz is my co-founder. So At the time, um, I was really trying to build commerce first and he had a CMS-based product that he had built for his wife. Um, She was a blogger and she needed an app. Um, And so he would built her this CMS and I was telling him, I was like, oh, it's not in the content, it's in the commerce because commerce experiences on on mobile web are just shocking and it's just an easy win off the bat um, where media companies are like a little bit more... um, you know, a harder sell initially. Uh, and so Fritz is like, well, I've already gone and built this thing and I think it's pretty scalable and I'd love to do this with you. And so like eventually we sort of just joined forces. And so Fritz and I just started like sort of hanging out and working together. And, and then the money came sort of like after that, I think like we kind of wanted to solidify what it is that we were before we started to, wanting to go out and, and sort of tell our story.
0: Do you think, you know, being who you are, and and your father, pork eating. Do you think that that has helped or hindered you in 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 the success that you've had with building your business?
1: Yeah, I think in the states it doesn't really matter. It's like someone would have to like try and figure it out. You know, um, <laughs> it's not something that I sort of tell people. Um, I think it does in like certain circumstances when people have mentioned it to me because they've you know sorted out on their own or someone told them it sort of come into the conversation much later where they were like, Hey, I can't believe that when I figured that out, that's so crazy. You know, um, even a lot of people at download don't even know who work here. So like, it's sort of like one of those um, things that I mean, I don't really think about it. I, I can see that in benefit, there are benefits in networks, but it's, you know Australian networks, primarily, not in the states, um, but I imagine it would give some sort of validation to someone if they were doing a business deal, and when we were first starting out, maybe that would warrant some sort of stability for them in doing a deal with us. but yeah, it's not something I really talk about and I and not something that I really that affects any relationships in the states in Australia, it's very different, but download isn't really in Australia,
0: right, yeah. Okay. So you, you, you and Fritz get together and you, you sort of start building the the first version of the product. Um, did, did you guys do any kind of validation before you, you decided to build it or were you really just following your own hunch and belief about what was needed? What was the sort of the process that you went through to go from idea to like the first version of the product?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we went too deep on the CMS, and this sort of goes into like the biggest mistake we meant, like we made first on. Like, we started making unnecessary development on a content management system that was like quite complex in how you needed to use it um, for what it was. Um, And I think it's just because we overthought it, you know. And and then I quickly changed gears to this sort of like one-click app solution, and then that sort of like open the floodgates and just put people's content into the content management system. But yeah, it was, it was, there was a lot of unnecessary time spent building a CMS product, which is now actually paid itself off because we do need the CMS product, but initially it slowed down my go to market.
0: So it goes back to what we keep hearing people like Paul Graham at Y Combinator talk about, which is do things that don't scale as opposed to trying to build all those features and functionality. pretty early on when you don't need them
1: yeah Uh, i think that that's a great mistake made across entrepreneurs in general is that you know you kind of get your vision in your in your mind and you just keep like every day just trying to make that work rather than sort of looking around um and i think that sort of hits you in two parts one it's really hard to do a market analysis or look at the data when you don't have any clients at all and you're just starting out um, but I think like the sooner you can get into beta, and the sooner you can get people around you telling you what they want, the better. And just keep releasing in beta. Like don't be there's no, there. Shouldn't be any sacred cows in a business. I mean, there certainly isn't any at Download. We change features all the time. We chuck out things all the time, and just keep looking at the data and reiterating.
0: So I'm I'm curious uh, when you said that you guys spent too much time and effort on the cms functionality in the early days what was the impact of that for you on the business was it just spending too much time building unnecessary functionality or was it
1: um, yeah i think it was just a time thing really i think that was my first thing and the other thing was you know i didn't you know obviously you want to keep keep your burn rate as low as possible. Um, And so we didn't really bring on any sort of creative lead until like six weeks before we decided to launch, which (laughs) was pretty crazy. And so, you know, then a lot of things, it was great in sort of saving money. And it didn't really matter what the brand represented at the time when we launched. But what it did sort of affect was like now we want to go back and rebuild a bunch of things from like a UX UI perspective that we would have gotten right from the first instance. Um, and so I would say to anyone else, like, you know, creative is really important. It's very important to our brand now. And now we have a huge, like a great, you know, creative team, but I would have hired that person earlier as well rather than waiting. Um, and they also take a really long time to to find and, and bring on, which I also didn't think. I was always like engineers are the tough hires, but creative people are actually much harder to find.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, one thing I was kind of curious about was the, uh, kind of a big part of the focus for you in terms of customers has been uh, media companies um, and some of these bigger brands. Yet, when I look at the pricing, it was like, well, you can have. I mean, I mean, I, the, your, your sort of entry level plan is like costs nothing, right? I mean, I could, I could go and turn my conversionaid.com website into an app just by going there and without paying anything. And then sort of the next plan up is like $15 a month. So what was your thinking around pricing? Because, you know, when I think of media companies and and I spent, you know, 10 years at MSN and worked with a ton of media companies when I was over there. And to me, it seems like you could have charged a lot more for this product.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really think that for me, it's it's really just about like I want to be the touch point between content creators and their users, and so it sort of made sense to obviously do that at scale. Um, I also think the people on the head are going to continue to, if like at some point, work themselves out of contracting out work, um, and so I, you know, those two things combined is like I wanted everyone to be able to use it. And then what? And then if I'm going after sort of those users, what is it realistically that they can afford if they're sort of like a hobbyist at what they do, you know? Yeah. And so the, the price points I sort of looked at was really like much more around what are the other software tools that they use? You know, what are the plugins that they pay for with Gmail? Like what are these? what are these other things that these guys use that help them get their business off the ground? The second thing I wanted to do was get a high return on investment for every user because, as soon as they start to make money on the platform, then your retention sort of made, right? And so entry level guys can start to make money off just from advertising. And then it's pretty easy to like kind of get you 15 bucks to pay yourself off. And so as long as they're feeling like it's net positive to them and we're really helping them make money, then, then we're actually building a sustainable platform, both from a loyalty and retention like perspective. Um, and then in terms of, you know, using word of mouth and whatever and growing the platform from there. So I wanted it to be achievable. I was more looking at it from their business needs and then secondly, making sure that like our costs could support it.
0: What are the ways that uh, a content owner can can monetize and, and generate revenue using the download app today?
1: Yeah. So there's multiple different sort of like ad networks that we've sort of found that they can plug and play into. It really depends on like what their business is and what they do. Uh, But just sort of in general, advertising, which is usually pretty premium and animated um, and high quality, we sort of do that rather than sort of like smaller uh, banner ads. Uh, Secondly, premium content's huge. Like, you know, we have some people on the platform that are making $30,000 a month. And I think that it's really funny. Like I remember when, you know, New York Times started selling their online subscription and, you know, every media outlet was talking about it and here we have all these sort of like young influencers who are like do you want to check out my workout video for the day it's 50 cents and then i have <laughs> 10,000 people doing it you know um through sending a push notification and driving them there so that's the second thing that they can sort of make money from um, is premium content and being really smart about that so the recipe guys the the beauty people yeah the fitness people like they're they're pretty like catching on to that um and then they some people sort of create like exclusive content to the app. So if it's, you know, if it was a chef, it would be like a Thanksgiving, you know, he's 20 dinners for Thanksgiving and people would pay, you know, $5 or whatever to have that or a, a regular subscription to get access to those sorts of things. Um, and so what we try and do is like, as soon as we sort of find someone, you know, we recently decided to build like an account management team at download. We, we look at who these users are and be like, oh, okay, they're trying to make money through doing this. We're going to give them some tips around, you know, pricing or how to go about it or, How do you send good like, you know, push notifications to engage the users to do that? So that would be the second thing. The third thing is obviously commerce. That works in two ways, you know, whether you have your own Shopify and you want to create your own app, obviously that's your own revenue and you'll most probably be able to get your users to return back more regularly and that will just sort of pay itself off there. Or, you know, um, through affiliate revenue. So we go and we've sort of helped um, a lot of them sort of reestablish like their core fees and kickbacks that they get from these different referral programs. And so just making it a lot easier and a lot more of a beautiful experience to shop um, on these different products that are recommended during an article. Um, so they get, they get revenue through that. And then we also, they can go into sort of like network advertising, in which case we syndicate ads across a network and they all send push notifications driving to it for a high impact for like very high brands, which are exclusive campaigns that get sold into to download. And they all get a cut of that. So there's multiple different ways really. And, and different publishers will have different, different things that they need. Do have like a lot of gallery owners um, and real estate companies that are using the platform. And, and obviously for them, it's just about building greater relationships with their clientele and, and using the data. You know, if someone shares like, I don't know, a painting from one of their galleries with their wife, that information goes back to the gallery and the gallery can be like, Hey, we have that artist coming in. Do you want to meet them? You already kind of know that that guy's really into that artwork. So we've had a lot of people who have, you know, sold art through the platform, which is really cool.
0: I'm trying to kind of go back and think about this, but was kind of making kind of creating transparency and sort of easier analytics something that was important to you is is that something
1: yeah and i really found that out as we started doing more and more um deals with these youtubers was just like how much there's a black wall between them and youtube you know like they don't know the value of like their media they don't know like who it's getting sold to at what rates how that compares to the rest of the market like they don't have any of the email addresses or any direct relationships it's really hard for them to sell products because it's all hyper, like hyperlinks at the bottom of their post and they have like no creative freedom. And I'm like, well, and the platform works obviously. Um, so I was like, okay, great. These people want this. Like, let's just give it to them. Like, let's just, it's all about full transparency. And so I'm, yeah, that's really important to me. And I guess I've also been on the media commerce side of the business. Which every day we were updating based on the data throughout the day of, of you know, how people interacting with the homepage and and, uh, you know, all the, there is a lot of answer in that data and, and we want people to have the tools to be able to do that.
0: And, and so anybody using uh, Download to build their app today, it, does does that enable them to build uh, direct relationships and, and sort of capture emails and things like that with their own viewers and yeah, audience? Yeah.
1: So- I think that's a tricky part for me because there's so much you can do when the onboarding like I actually light up a lot of the really cool features that I think people might like and then if they don't want them they can choose not to Um, because you have such more real estate on the phone and you're busy customizing and then you're like oh cool I can do this and I don't want them kind of getting lost in that experience so I kind of onboard them to all these different features that they can have based on, you know, how they are going through the download process rather than sort of trying to communicate everything that they can do at once. So I would normally like not, until they've sort of launched, I wouldn't even start to push ad networks or anything to them. Um, you know, before that, it's really about them feeling like that it, this is a really great experience for a brand perspective for their users.
0: Yeah, I really like this kind of idea of... Just give us the URL and and we give you the app. Uh, it's it's kind of something that is really easy for people to to get. Whereas if you sort of say, okay, we can help build you an app. There's this there's there's so much baggage that comes with that. And I think you alluded to that earlier, where people are like, oh my god, that means this and that, and it'll take forever, and I'll have to deal with this and so on. Um, but when you can kind of boil it down to URL app in minutes. It's really simple. And I think there's a really valuable lesson there for for any startup in terms of figuring out how do you, how do you simplify your your value prop in, in such a crisp way that people can just get it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, it's like someone, it will even just be like, oh, cool. I want to see what it looks like. And then we basically push them and be like, hey, you could just submit this and then your app would go live, you know? And so you, 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 it's, is ba you're eliminating any decision making process. And so then it's all about like, Hey, can I just get you to try it? You know? And the easiest way to do that is just like, give us a URL. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think like we've just been doing all our ad campaigns because we haven't really spent a dollar on, actually, we haven't spent a dollar on acquiring any users, right? So you know we're doing internally our big campaign at the moment it's all about go mobile right and we're just like give us you it's these ad boxes with urls and it's go mobile and so like that's what we want people to think it's like you're on your phone if i ask you to do something like oh you know what restaurant do you want to go to tonight the first thing you're going to do is pick up your telephone so why would if you're building like your experience you want users to come from then you should build that experience for where your users are which is on the phone
0: you know so um how did you get the word out about uh, a download when you launched if if you guys haven't been spending any money to acquire customers, what were some of the the things that you were doing to
1: yeah, so I was like cold emailing a bunch of people by automatically spinning up their apps, and I was like, if someone can go from <laughs> not hearing about me to like like be like seeing screenshots of what their app potentially could look like and then they could play around with it instantly. Um, so what we would do is we would send them an email with screenshots and then they'd have a link to download our publisher app with a little code of, and they pop in that code and all their content would be there.
0: Oh, I love that. So so so
1: someone could go from like never hearing about the company to suddenly playing with our product to actually pushing it. And that is like literally the weakest form you could do. And they're doing that and they're doing that in good numbers. Then we obviously have a business. Um, and so that was really, that was really our beta test case.
0: I I love that. My marketing
1: guy just turned, he heard me and just started nodding. It was pretty funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So instead of kind of going out and saying, oh, Hey, you know, we can build you an app and it's easy and just give us your URL. It was like, no, here's your app. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But on really cold email, I don't even know. Yeah. We basically like ran around all these different, really random websites. We're trying to find email addresses and, um, and just to sort of see how people reacted and what their emails were. And a lot of people thought it was spam and like, you know, all sorts of things. But a good percentage of them went through and actually did it. And so that's how we knew.
0: I think important lesson is that, that you know, a, a lot of entrepreneurs and startups will spend a lot of time trying to build their idea and the product and and, and maybe, um, you, you know, just making a bunch of assumptions about what they think is needed and then they realize that once they launch, maybe things aren't quite the way they expected or they they inevitably have some surprises once real customers or users start using their product. So did you have that kind of aha moment when you sort of launched the the product and had real users and customers using the product? Was there something that you kind of was like a surprise or something that kind of challenged an assumption that you guys maybe had had. And, uh, I, I'm trying to sort of get to like, you know, you, you know, I yeah. think you, you, I mean, you don't learn until you launch, right. I feel like that's yeah, that, from-
1: that happened the other day. So we do these hackathons internally pretty, and they're just, I mean, it's so great. It's really cool. Everyone's sort of, there's so many things you can do with the platform. So internally it's really cool to see that, you know, what, what everyone's thinking about the growth of the company and how they see it. And, um, and the girls here who run the customer service side of the business were like, when are we going to launch like the next tier, the pro tier? And uh, we have all these people, you know, um, who are, who just want push notifications and, you know, and they're ready to pay for it on their own. And like, we could do this. And I was like, oh, that's just a marketing thing. It's the only reason we're holding it back. Like I could totally go do that, you know? um and so we we very quickly within like a day or two set it up so anyone could send push notifications from their handset to the audience on mass um and then people overnight even then the next day we had all these people who had already signed up and I was like did we even tell anyone that we'd like turn that on and the user there was so much demand from a user perspective to have it that these people went and found that feature on their own and I was like did they are they using if this then that like how are they are they coming back to the site regularly this is crazy but, yeah, like, so there's a lot of things that, like, we didn't know that people would spend a lot more money for or want to spend money on that we weren't, like, that we were holding back. And honestly, for no good reason, which was also, obviously, we changed a lot of processes internally because I was like, hang on, we're too small to have, like, you know, none of this dialogue running back to us. But either way, it's good it came out. But, um, yeah, anyway, so that's that's basically something that happened was a big aha moment, which is, like, oh, hang on, there's features here that we have that users really want that it's really easy for us to give to them that we didn't even know that they were dying for, you know?
0: Yeah. So, all right. So give me a sense of the size of the business today. Um, can, can you disclose any numbers, either revenue or users or apps or whatever? Just give, give this list as a sense of what the business is is sort of yeah. like right
1: yeah, now. So, um, yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, like we don't disclose revenue. Our partners is really hard because, um, again, like I think we've got like so there are like three thousand like that have come through the site, and then a lot other stuff is really partner wide. Um, so we work with like a lot of hosting companies and media companies where we actually power the mobile across their sort of networks. Um, and we don't necessarily count them as individual users. We sort of count them as like you know I don't know strategic deals, um, which hopefully we're going to be doing um, less and less of, and and people are going to start coming to the website. So I don't know publicly I could say like three thousand or something. Uh, I'd be cool saying that.
0: Okay. Well, what's the vision for download? Uh, I mean, it sounds like you got a uh, a pretty good product already. It's it's something that people get. It's very easy to use. What does the the future look like? Where do you want to where do you want to take this business?
1: Yeah. So I want to be the mobile solution for basically anyone that doesn't want to go and develop their own site, right? Or and in in, in the future case, like. I don't think anyone will have to have a website. They can go and build with the download CMS first and their content will live everywhere. So I think that that's sort of like on a basic level um, I would love for every restaurant owner, every landscape gardener, every blogger, every social media personality um, to have a download product so their content could look good and function well on every different device. And then secondly, have people build with us first so that their content looks good on every different device. And then thirdly, create powerful networks to really help them drive users and drive revenue for their business in a meaningful way and not taking advantage of of their uh, sort of ignorance when it comes
0: to it. You're going to conquer the mobile world,
1: right? Yeah, the multi-screen world. I don't know how long we're we're going to continue to refer to it as mobile.
0: Right. All right. Uh, it's time for our lightning round. Uh, I'm going to ask you a a series of questions and, uh, like to answer them as quickly as you can. Okay. Okay. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received?
1: Oh, wow. It's really hard to be quick with this. Um, yeah, if you're, I just never give up basically just keep persevering.
0: What book would you recommend to our audience and why?
1: Passion of the Western world mind, actually, I think it is. Um, Great answer on my behalf. Um, It was the first book that I read that got me into uh, changing my degree at university and got me really into sociology and psychology. And I don't know, it was like a life-changing moment for me, but I can't remember the name of the book, which is amazing.
0: What's one attribute or characteristic of a successful entrepreneur in your mind?
1: Transparency.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Creating lists.
0: What's a new business idea or a crazy idea that you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time?
1: The home battery unit, but my mates at Swell are already doing it.
0: What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: I managed a band for seven years. Did you really? Yeah. Yes. Yes. and and
0: finally what is one of your most important passions outside of your work
1: uh yeah i would say music and cooking
0: cool uh alexandra i want to thank you for joining me today it's been a pleasure um now if folks want to find out more about download they can go to uh yeah
1: download.me um it's download without the
0: vowels Okay, that's, that's, I was looking for a catchy way to explain that. But yeah. Yeah. Great. And uh, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, they can just, I'm, I'm Alexandra at download.me.
0: Awesome. Thanks again. And uh, I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Cheers.